In a world that appears to make no linear sense, there is a time-travelling rabbit with an important agenda. What is it? No one knows, but it has something to do with basketball. Welcome to a reality where a famous pig actor turned despotic leader rules with an iron fist, and a psychopathic duck may be our only hope for salvation. Welcome to the Tooniverse. The Space Jam Continuum is a show where two brave souls attempt to create a cohesive cinematic universe out of something that was never meant to be one. Looney Tunes, from 1937 all the way to Space Jam. Why? Because in an era where all people want is a cinematic universe and reboots of old cartoons, we're the only ones with a resolve to combine the two. So join us every Wednesday as we explore the depths of the Tooniverse, slowly clawing our way ever closer to the 1996 classic. That's the Space Jam Continuum, every Wednesday at kaiju.fm or wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and we advise you start at the beginning. It's a good idea. Welcome one and all to Merely Roleplayers, where theatrical people play role-playing games. My name's Matt Boothman, I'm your compere for this backstage episode from the Main House production. I'm joined backstage by Alex. Hello. Also by Nat. Hello. And by subject of today's backstage episode, uh, Chris. I feel like I'm being tested already. <laughs> But because I called you a subject. It is because you called me a subject and like you didn't look very regal, so I took the other possible meaning. <laughs> also, no pressure, but you're the last one, so you know, we're all judging you. I know, because I gracefully didn't turn up when I said I would to the last <laughs> We didn't want to mention it, but yeah, yeah. It's all right. I'll own it. I'll own it. <laughs> I was asleep. What do you want? <laughs> There's, I mean, time means nothing in, here, I've got in, to pass, here in exactly. pandemic lockdown. In, in COVID area, like, you've got to just, you know, just sleep through it. That's what they say. It's written in Latin under a shield. I'm not going to try and do that. That's my favourite excuse. Mm. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us this time. Nailed it. 50% success. Why don't we start with, Chris, uh, which Monster of the Week playbook have you picked and what drew you to that one? Uh, I'm going uh, for the professional just because I think there's got to be someone in these situations who's just t- like, A, staunchly refusing to believe that anything weird is going on, <laughs> and B, taking the if it bleeds, we can kill it mentality to all these things. You know, I, I, I wanted a character who was very much going to do things how they've always done them, regardless of circumstance. <laughs> a stick in the mud. Yeah. So. Uh, have you got c- kind of examples of this uh, character archetype from from TV or books or film or anything that you're drawing on here or or that are like influencing you in a way that you're like pushing against them? I mean, not specific characters that 
spring to mind, not in the context anyway, like of the sort of professional agent, but uh, I'm very much in the mindset of like, they would probably be played by Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, no, he, he knows what his job is. He's quite good at it. And, you know, your, your weird case is not going to get in the way of it. Funnily enough, not the first time Tommy Lee Jones has been referenced in these backstage episodes. How many of the characters in this upcoming Monster of the Week are played by Tommy Lee Jones? So far, none of the player characters. What possibly a, possibly a non-player character? You're frantically <laughs> scribbling out notes. I won't be doing Tommy Lee Jones. You can you can take that voice. Can, can we make it canon that all NPCs are Tommy Lee Jones? I think yeah, I think so because it means Matt, you know, really has to get his draw out, and uh, I'm looking forward to that because he's normally quite proper. Just different iterations of him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll, have to, I'll have to watch his filmography. I mean, you know, there are worse ways to spend a pandemic, so. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, let's go through the professional playbook and pick some options for you. So there's, there's obviously a couple of ways that you can do character creation in these things. You can have a, a concept in mind already and pick the options that fit it, or we can go through and pick options you like the look of one by one and see what you've got at the end of it so where sort of in that spectrum do you think you're falling do you have a concept for the character in mind or are you just like picking options and then seeing what you get at the end well the professional playbook like uh leans pretty heavily into the fact that there is an agency that you work for Mm -hmm. and it's about your relationship with them quite a lot of the time and i don't feel like his relationship with them would be very good (laughs) i like the idea that he's uh you know a little older you know, quite the veteran, but at the same time, he's really just messed up at some point and uh, has been kicked to whatever unit deals with supernatural nonsense, which he doesn't really think is a thing. <laughs> they are. They asked him where he didn't want to go. <laughs> oh no, the loaded question. Yeah, I'm getting a bit of a slow horses vibe. Yeah, I can see that. That's uh, yeah, that's kind of the vibe. Like, I think he's, I think he's quite level-headed. Or at least that's how he sees himself. But yeah, older, disgraced. <laughs> With that as the umbrella concept, um, let's go through the playbook in order. Ambitiously, all the Monster of the Week playbooks suggest that you start by picking a name. Names are obviously historically very difficult difficult to get right. Have you got a name in mind to start with or do you want to leave that for later in the process? I'll swing into it a bit later. Like, I know the sort of vibe I want to go for, but everything sounds like, you know, when it's like a bit too much into that vibe, yeah. it doesn't sound like a real thing. <laughs> like, no, that's sort of the name, but you've really got to get the essence of that and then dial it back about. All right, okay, we'll, we'll bat some names about in a bit. In which case, let's go to look. So the playbook gives you some options for your gender presentation, some options for your face, and some options for your clothing. So what, what takes your fancy from those lists? Well, I'm going to go with a man because I really, if I'm honest, because I'm quite lazy mm-hmm. from an acting perspective. And allow, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, just gonna roll with that. I think he's like, I don't know he looks ha- like haggard, tired. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think he's been in, been in this, uh, what he sees as this sort of bullshit part of the job for quite a long time. And unless it goes directly against anything that other people have established, like. He hasn't really seen anything that qualifies as oh, right. okay. supernatural. He just he just met a lot of a lot of wackos and he's, he's he's tired and sick of it. And he's really just sort of just trying to cruise it out to retirement age, I reckon. So I think he's probably sort of 
mid to late fifties. He reckons he can. He reckon he can just deal with it for a bit longer. If I can just finish that one last job. Well, I think he ideally, ideally hopes that no jobs come up ever again, <laughs> and he just, you know, he d- just so he doesn't have to talk to anyone else who's seen a UFO or, you know, cannot wait to do a story where you're literally one day away from retirement. Yeah, <laughs> it's like he, he will say that once and only once <laughs> at the appropriate time. You're swiftly becoming the consummate professional. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so. Haggard face is not on the list, but I think we can give you haggard face. I like that as a descriptor. Yeah, no, none of them are quite right. Sunken. Sunken. Yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then clothes? I mean, I think it, it was once a nice suit. <laughs> I think he's, he's uh, probably a little more heavy set than he was. He got the suit. He's probably bothered to get new shirts, but is, he just leaves the jacket open now. Like... It's got a bit of a paunch. Like he's not tubby. He's just got a bit of a yeah, you know, bit of a paunch going on. And yeah, only noticeable when you try and do the buttons up. He's like, I'm not buying a cheap suit, and I'm not buying another expensive suit. This cost me a lot of money. <laughs> so I guess at this point it's shabby, but it's it's not hot. It's not a bad suit. Okay, it just doesn't really fit him right anymore, and it's 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 in a lot of stuff. Yeah, that sounds good. I'm really getting. A, oh, you're really painting a picture here. So uh, next one is ratings, uh, your stats. Uh, as the professional, uh, whatever option you pick, you're always going to have cool plus two, uh, but you've got various different options for what your other four stats are going to be. Um, so have you got a line in mind? Right. He is not weird. So I'm going to uh, rule, out, rule out anything that doesn't have, well, anything that has a plus in weird because that's not his deal. Okay. He prides himself on how not weird he is <laughs> compared to the people he deals with day to day. I don't really want to have zero charm, but it might, it might be necessary because I don't think he's older, so I can deal with not a lot of tough. Mm-hmm. Screw it. I think no one would like him anymore because he's curmudgeonly. So I'm going to go with the second one down, which is charm minus one, cool two, sharp plus one, tough plus one, weird. A good steady professional zero. Sounds good. Uh, so this, this leads to another question, which is if this character has never interacted with anything actually supernatural, then the usual roll plus weird move, the use magic move, might not be appropriate. But there are other options in the Monster of Week expansions for what you can roll weird for instead. Okay. Do you want to stick with the use magic move or do you want to explore some of the other possibilities for that? I'd be interested in hearing broadly what they are, but ultimately I think most things, I mean, in my experience playing Monster of the Week, most things that the professional would interact with aren't things they would be particularly experienced in, in, in the weird category. It's just like, I'll give it a go. And <laughs> I think he would be even reluctant to give it a go just for almost fear of finding out that it's a real thing. So I'm, I'm quite happy to stick with the, uh, the magic situation and just use contextual magic, you know, that's lying around. People leave their magic lying around all the time, don't they? Big circles on the ground, like crystals and stuff. Just leave it lying about. So he might, he might uh, in a pinch, resort to maybe trying to do something magical. But what are the other things you could maybe use weird for? So the other ones that, uh, that there's quite a few, but the ones based on what you're saying that, that feel most appropriate are, uh, there's one called No Limits, which just lets you push your physical body past its limits. I think his physical body is all, already well past its limits. Okay. 
There's one that's trust your gut, which is roll plus weird. And on a success, uh, you get an instinct about where to go, about somewhere that would be important to go next. Okay. Those are probably, if, if you're going for somebody who hasn't interacted with the supernatural, because the, the other ones are things like telekinesis, weird science, empathy, uh, telepathically talking to the secret masters of the world and that that kind of stuff, which would automatically make you more weird. So, I mean, the the follow your gut thing is sort of calling to me, but at the same time, it does imply a certain will to follow these things up. Oh, fair. <laughs> which I think is sort of dropped away somewhat after at least what is at least you know at least a good few years of it being a fruitless escapade (laughs) i I like i really like the idea that this character has been surrounded by the supernatural but staunchly believes that everything that he can he's seen can be rationalized away be like no 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 it wasn't it was just swamp gas that's all it was yeah swamp glass reflected off of venus (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) okay this magic is just science we haven't discovered yet yeah, he's 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 an Arthur C. Clarke fan, but he's yeah. I don't know. I mean, do, do these prohibit him attempting magical things? That, yeah. So the way it describes it is, um, if you if you take, for instance, trust your gut instead, then you can still try magic, but every every kind of magic you try and do, no matter how minor, counts as big magic in the rules. Oh, yeah. I'm, I uh, no, I like that. Because that's exactly the because big magic is exactly the kind of thing I meant. It's like okay, well, there there is a big circle on the floor, and something weird has happened. <laughs> and I should probably try and engage with it in some way <laughs> due to my professional position. Yeah, and you wouldn't be the only one. I think Dave and Starkey, and possibly someone else. Yeah, Dave and Starkey at least have both uh, binned off the use magic move for one of the other options. So they they are stuck with big magic as well if they want to do any. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm happy with that. In that case, I'll take. I'll, I'll. I'll go with the. I'll go with the follow my gut. Nice. But uh, yeah, I kind of expect it to lead to rational explanations. <laughs> yeah, it's it's following a lifetime of of professional. It, it's not just an instinct. It's like it's professional experience. Yeah, absolutely. Next thing on the sheet is is working out who the agency are. Yes. Yeah, so has anybody else taken anything that suggests any sort of professional acknowledgement of the sort of supernatural we have in the setting already we have the department of emissions which is the the government body tasked with dealing with all this rubbish uh, uh, basically as the story starts the department of emissions uh, have succumbed to austerity and had to pull out of places like the town that we're playing in so right, okay. sort of pulling back, they, they have had budget cuts, they've got less resources, and so they're basically concentrating on protecting the big urban centres and kind of leaving the regions to fend for themselves. So they're, they're an agency in and of themselves that deal with this, or are they a department? They, they, are, they are a government department, but you don't have to work for them, you could work for somebody else, because if you worked for them, it would be weird if you'd never actually... Well, I prefer the notion that he works for an agency that isn't really geared towards that Mm -hmm. but has a very very small like underfunded department (laughs) that is to do with that because i just like the idea he's been kicked down to it and like when he when he joined the job he didn't even know this department existed doesn't believe in any of that he's basically this is as good as him they put him in the basement like in the wire like it's like you're in the basement you've got this guy uh you know he, he types pretty fast like that's what you've got 
enjoy that. Don't go near any real cases ever again, please. So I guess it could be like a team or a task force that is part of one of the more mundane security services. Yeah. Or it could be um, another option is it could you it could be part of some sort of private outfit because one one of the things that could happen with the department having its budget cut one of the things it might look at is outsourcing so it might be interesting yeah. to have an organization in the setting that would be a potential thing that they could outsource to are you g4s <laughs> <laughs> maybe i quite like the idea that it would be one of the larger agencies and actually that whatever whatever he did to deserve getting booted to this department is actually the formation of the department. It's just that firing him would be a public to-do and uh, they, don't, they can't have that. So possibly the agency doesn't even really believe in the department that, that they don't believe in the department either. It's just they get these calls and they go, well, we could fob them off, but that's not very good for publicity. Firing this guy is not very good for publicity. Why don't we just kick him to the basement? We'll keep paying him. You're on the crank hotline. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, like I just have to talk to cranks and go out and interview them, and I hate it. Okay, so I guess it could be it could be part of MI5, or it could just be part of the police, even. Yeah, we were doing this, playing this the other day, and uh, we were trying to decide whether it was going to be in America or in England, because obviously the Monster of the Week book, like, it's pretty heavily geared toward America, just because the amount of guns people have. But uh, it was like I was like I'd written this skull character to be an FBI character, and. It was like, uh, oh, uh, we're going to play in England. It's like, I really just wanted to swap the B and the F and just have someone who works for the British Film Institute. So it's like, I just do that. I'm just in a small department of the British Film Institute. <laughs> I just, I deal with the supernatural. Uh, I think he'd be part of, he'd be part of MI5, I think. And it's just, I, I reckon he was probably pretty high up before. And uh, yeah, to, to the extent where firing him would be, a, would be problematic. Cool. So how do we build that in this playbook? You get to pick two two types of resources and two types of red tape that you get get to deal with. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of the resources, I think, are probably nullified by that, by that general vibe. Even though the organization's well-financed, he's not going to be particularly well-financed. But then again, if these things come up, he can probably get the pull. The because these refer to the agency, don't they? Not necessarily. Yeah. yeah. So these sort of define the parameters of it. If you if you roll your deal with the agency move to try and get gear or personnel or something, it kind yeah. of defines what you could get for that. Uh, so, I mean, I think he'd probably be in a situation where like the agency aren't willing to give him certain of these things, even though even if they have them. So like well-financed and well-armed like i just don't think they really fit because they're not they're unlikely to throw these teams behind him or these weapons behind him so good intel because i'll ultimately i don't think they'd have nerfed his clearance that hard mm -hmm. so i'll take good intel that's another reason to keep him in the house as well is if he's got that clearance you don't want him running around outside the organization yeah, exactly. You, you want him to make the occasional appearance standing behind someone just so everyone <laughs> knows he's still there and there's not a problem. And, you know, it's all, it's all above board. Uh, so take good intel. And I think recognized authority is... Yeah, that would make sense. They're the more mundane options in that list. But at the same time, I just think that's what he'd have access to. Yeah, and it fits if you're making this like, this is the mundane character in the supernatural world. Then that, that fits. Yeah. 
So yeah, that's where I'll go with those. The red tape, uh, I think it's definitely hostile superiors mm-hmm. because it's just like, no, we hate you. What, 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 don't call me again. How did you get this number? So I'll definitely take hostile superiors. I mean, budget cuts is there, but that's already been taken care of in another agency. And I think like there's a reasonably good catalyst for my previously useless department to now wind up picking some of the picking up some of the slack from that agency because they technically have the money and this department unfortunately for them exists on paper so i don't know i'm tempted by live capture policy because i think that like i think that would play havoc with his mind (laughs) because it's just like not not only not only do these things exist but also i can't just shoot them and be done with it so I uh, know I think I'll take live capture policy unless the other agency has taken live capture policy. Uh, we we haven't built them in these terms, right? Okay. Yeah, and we we don't have that kind of detail about them yet. So yeah, feel free to take that. Yeah, let's go with that then, because that also gives him something he maybe wouldn't want to do or be part of, but also might give him further access to resources from an agency because it's like, oh, suddenly your department's doing something and, you know, you can sort of redeem yourself. So it gives him that potential path, I guess. Yeah, I think that's where we'll roll. Hostile superiors and live capture policy. Cool. So the next thing to pick is your moves. Uh, As the professional, you get four professional moves. Uh, You always get the deal with the agency move for when you want to request help or gear. Which I look forward to thoroughly because they like me so much. They do. Uh, You're very popular. I'm a popular boy. <laughs> uh, and then you get to pick three others off, off the list. Uh, uh, are there any that take your eye already? I mean, there are some that immediately get ruled out because they imply that my dude knows or cares about monster hunting. So mobility is out. I don't have a fancy van. That's specifically built for monster hunting. No, nope. for, for, for monster hunting, no, that's madness. Just take guns, don't you? Just take guns. The first two are calling to me because they just fit in pretty well with the full-on denial aspect. So bottle it up, which is uh, if you want, you can take a plus three bonus when you act under pressure. And for each plus one you use, the keeper can hold one to be spent later. But you can't use it if I'm acting under pressure, Matt. (laughs) Yeah, I I can give you penalties on other roles as long as it's not act under pressure. I intend to act under pressure a lot. (laughs) <laughs> I would say I intend to do nothing but act under pressure due to immense stress in my personal life and some pension options that haven't worked out for. Yeah, you're never going to talk to another person. <laughs> yeah, no, but not unless I'm under a lot of pressure to do so. <laughs> I, I will have one of the other players put a gun to my head whenever I do anything just, just to make sure I'm acting under pressure and I get that sweet plus three and you can't do anything to me. Got nothing on me, copper unfazable similar vibe just take plus one cool very simple i'm a very relaxed guy those two combo up to mean that you can potentially roll plus six to act under pressure yeah yeah i can yeah (laughs) he's just the coolest guy he's just i I mean i don't even think it's like cool as in like he's super cool i think he's just i think i think unfazable sums it up pretty well he's just it's like, well, this is happening. He's so used to being stressed out of his tiny mind that this is just, <laughs> this is his normal. Yeah, it's just, oh, that's fine. Like, uh, uh, everything in his mind is just, 
a bunch of kids just mucking around. It's not a big deal to him. It's just like, look, I'm 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 58. You, you can't you can't you can't get me. I'm one day away from retirement. No, he's probably eight, eight years. <laughs> yeah, they keep raising the ceiling. Yeah, he's livid. That they're the pension options. That's what keeps him so permanently under pressure, man. <laughs> and a third one. I mean, from the four that are left. Three of them sound very military, which I don't think is his vibe. I don't think it's battlefield awareness. I don't think it's leave no one behind because he doesn't get into those situations, really. And I don't think it's medic, really, because uh, all of those assume that he fights a lot, which he, do- he doesn't. Uh, so the name of it sounds in the same vein, tactical genius, but it's just when you read a bad situation, you can roll cool instead of sharp which isn't a huge bonus to me with my stats, but it is a plus one to reading a bad situation. So yeah, I think I'll take that. I think it's just, I'm just going to lean really hard into this level-headed thing. Yeah, so you've got deal with the agency, you've got bottle it up, unfazable and tactical genius for moves, which means the only thing we're doing uh, on the playbook then is gear. So you get some, some form of armor, one serious weapon and two normal weapons. Right, well, armor... So the flak vest is one armor and it's hidden. So like, I guess you look normal when you've got it on. But I don't think, I don't think that's the kind of thing. Like, he's not expecting to get shot at or whatever. So I think he'd be more likely to have access to the combat armor, which is two armor and heavy and not hidden. So like you, you, you're clearly wearing big armor when you're going in with that. But I think he'd be more likely to just have access to that for when he thinks he's going to need it. Uh, which has, again, been a long time. Yeah, so you you can take that option, but it's mostly in the boot. Yeah. Unless things get really serious. Yeah, it's literally like, you know, I, I think, I think you, you, you get those scenes where, you know, they're running from the car, He's they're literally putting on the vest as they run in. They've grabbed the shock, shotguns out of the boot. I'll take a shotgun, please. One, please. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> One, please. Get in the back of the car. Normal car, mind. Not a, not a fancy monster hunting car. I mean, I think I don't think he's the kind of guy to have a gun at home because I don't know. Again, feels American. Same reason he's not taking the thirty-eight. I think I just take the sort of standard stuff you would have access to if you were going in. So he'll have the nine millimeter as the standard in the normal weapons. Have a shotgun in the car and access to an assault rifle if he feels like he needs the assault rifle because that covers the most bases. I think is it was all being kept in the boot of your pretty normal standard car my normal standard car now i can't decide if i'd rather that was the eight like an agency issue but normal car or if it's like i know a morris minor or something (laughs) 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 like it's just this is my car this is my car it's like, the agency wouldn't provide you with a car so maybe it is your car (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe they, they don't want me going out I have to go and say, can I check a car out, please, if I want to go in anything <laughs> that looks like... It was secondhand when you were a green recruit. Yeah, exactly. But it's my car, goddammit. It's got the wood panelling. You know, it's not one of the later models. It's beautiful. Amazing. You can hear him coming from like a mile away because it's banging a little bit down the street. <laughs> beautiful. It's beautiful. But yeah, it mainly, it mainly just takes me to, to, to and from the office, don't it? So that, that's all we're going to do of the playbook uh, because the history and stuff we're going to do a little later. But we, we, do, need to, we do want to kind of tie you into the, the story a little bit from the start. 
just to work out sort of how you're involved in the, the situations that we're getting into. So um, last couple of things to do. I mean, first of all, how are those name options coming on? They're very American. They take the classic American... Well, there are two classic American name formats. There's uh, surname, surname, <laughs> or there is any noun surname, like Basin Rudebaker. <laughs> uh, yeah, brick... brick. <laughs> yeah, but if someone... Like, if someone just walked up to you, like, you know, say, oh, yeah, uh, have you met Basin Rudebaker? And they just reached out to shake your hand. You'd shake their hand. You wouldn't think... It would take you a moment to go, Basin? His name's Basin Rudebaker. That's that's British. Brick Tamlin. Brick Tamlin. Yeah, that's yeah, a classic good point. Brick. Yeah. yeah. You just go, that's a name. That's Basin fine. Basin Rudebaker. Only, it only works if you're American, though. You can't, you can't do it if you're English. You mean you're not going for Basin Rudebaker? I'm not going for Basin Rudebaker. I'm hung up on the surname Kincaid, and I don't know why. I like it. <laughs> I wrote a load of surnames down and Kincaid is the only one I was like, that's, that's the surname in this surname, surname situation. But then I've got Elwood and Elroy in first names, but it's again, not American. And if you do the surname, surname, it sounds like you write detective novels. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the other formula for these is that you, if you have a memorable surname, you have a really, really mundane standard first name like John. Yeah, Barry. And, the, and the vice versa. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Barry, Kincaid, Bazza. Oh, Bazza. Because the inverse works, I guess, for like Indiana Jones. So, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Can I have Edward? Edward is the closest to my, my general vibe. Right, the, the names have got down. It's always, it's always two syllables, two syllables. Yeah, I'll go with Edward. I could be Ed. Yeah, you'd be Ed, Eddie, Ted. Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that, there's a voice that you're going to have to do for what, at least one character the whole time, Matt. <laughs> Wasn't that Tommy Lee Jones that, that Nat just did there? <laughs> it's, it, was a stro- it was a strong Eddie Tommy baby. Lee. <laughs> oh, Tommy, welcome. Come on in. <laughs> We've been Zoomed by Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah, I like, yeah, Ed Kincaid still sounds kind of cool. And you've got some uncool options in there as well because you've got the Ted, you've got the Ted branch. Of, of of Edward as well. And I think he'd really hate being called Teddy. I think some people call him Teddy. And it's fine. But there are very few people. And people have heard it. And when they call him Teddy, he's like, no, nah, absolutely not. So I think there can be some hang up there that, you know, I'll decide. I'll decide on the fly. It's always always nice when players tell me what annoys their character before we go in. <laughs> He doesn't seem like the kind of guy you want to annoy too much because you've got an assault rifle and a shotgun. <laughs> In the back of a Morris Miner. <laughs> Look, <laughs> sometimes he takes them out of the Morris Miner, Alex. And that's when you know he means business. And that moment where he's struggling with the boot and the assault rifle, that's very intimidating. Mm. Yeah, because he because that's the other thing. He can't he can't blip open the boot, can he? He's got no. to literally he's got to literally do it with the key. There's an act to it, I reckon. There's an act to it. Ah, <laughs> oh, he probably like walks up to it and like hits the top of it. And and the times that he's in his cool mode, it definitely works. But there's other times where he hits the top of it and nothing happens. And one of the panes of glass just falls out. I mean, I think that would. All, I think if he just hits the top of it, he's acting under pressure because I think he knows full well in his heart you have to unlock it with the key and then hit the top of it. So when people try and just hit the top of it, like the Fonz, it doesn't work for them because what they don't notice is that he actually just unlocks it normally and then hits the top of it and it opens up. 
it doesn't <laughs> unlock it at all. <laughs> the key unlocks. Hitting the top of it just opens it up. So uh, actually, when he when he hits it without unlocking it, that's the uh, that's the ghost of the haunted Morris Minor opening it for him. Yeah, his father uh, haunts the Morris <laughs> Minor, which he's also he also staunchly denies. So this is all canon, by the way. Um... <laughs> The Morris Minor is in, no question. The, 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 the ghost... The, the haunting will work out later <laughs> as it comes oh, up. The haunting's the, canon. The, 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 things that we, <laughs> the things that I do want to tackle just before we, uh, before we wrap up is... Um, so the, the scenario that we're in, the sort of premise of the whole series, is we're in this sort of slightly sleepy, uh, slightly neglected uh, old historic market town whose Department of Emissions team has been pulled out and various members of the community who are clued into the existence of supernatural things have had to step in and inexpertly try and defend the town from monsters and ghosts and UFOs and and what have you without the same kind of professional training. So what is Kincaid doing in Sherrydown? Is that where he's based or does he just keep getting calls that take him out there from wherever he is based? I think they take him out there from wherever he is based. He'd be put up somewhere, you know, somewhere cheap Mm -hmm. and just have to deal with it. He's used to just doing these sort of like one or two night excursions to the arse end of nowhere to interview some, some whack job and then go back and write it up. So yeah, I don't. I don't think. It, I don't think he's based there at all. I think the amount of stuff that comes through a legitimate agency that gets turfed to him is low enough that he just he's the guy who gets just sent miles out of London to just go and go and talk to you know some grandma who thinks there's something living under the telly. That'll give us an interesting dynamic because pretty much everybody else kind of lives there or has lived there for for however long uh, and is kind of that is their base. So it'll be interesting to have you as somebody who is from out of town and is effectively just looking to get back out again as quickly as possible by interacting with all these kind of homebodies. I also quite like the dichotomy of the... I mean, I don't know exactly what everyone else picked, but the person who is technically... Uh, the most professional in this uh, line being the one who's completely out of his element, both socially and, you know, with what presumably he's going to deal with unless you take a very, very interesting approach to the game Monster of the Week. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be a bit out of your element, probably. Yeah. Yeah, no no local knowledge to call on, which will give us a reason for why you actually have to interact with the other Talk players. to someone else. <laughs> Yes, because it would be it would be a under bad pressure. Game. You understand under, under pressure. pressure you understand because it would be a bad game if you just went off on your own and didn't interact with the other player characters. So it's their local knowledge is the reason that you have to work with them. Yeah, I reckon so. So I reckon I reckon I reckon at least one of them can you know sort of operate in a, a guide capacity. Glad glad you could make it. Kind of kind of vibe. Yeah. Last question from me is, uh, would you like to add a feature to the town? Uh, I want to sort of collaboratively build the town. Uh, so we've got various stuff. We've got the, the standard stuff like the village green. We've got some woods. We've got a high street. We've got various shops, a library, uh, some sort of touristy like ruins and other kind of destinations. Uh, anything you want to add to that? 
so I don't want him to have too much impact on the town itself because I want him to be like just out well, of the they, element. This is this is you, Chris, bringing bringing this in. Yeah, but in terms of uh, me playing the character, but what I would quite like is just wherever he's staying to be a a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling questionably run bed and breakfast. Exactly that. Exactly that. Can can I can I add a feature to this B and B? Oh yeah. I reckon that the owners, you've got this kind of quaint old couple and the the guy is super into his classic cars and he's a bit sniffy about your Morris Minor. And I, I'm convinced that he's jealous of the Morris Minor. <laughs> he, he's, he's a bit down on it. I'm very keen and I'm sure he is as well. In, in my heart of hearts, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. sure he just wants my Morris. There's like a, they, they do a yearly classic car rally in the next town over that he goes to all the time. He's yes. like, well, I've never seen you there. I think that's the closest I've ever been to to as well. I've attended, but I've never, I've never quite had the the guts to bring bring the bring the Morris down. And and both of them are played by Tommy Lee Jones, as we've established. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> actually, yeah. Es- especially his wife. Oh yeah. Any more questions from our audience here about Kincaid? No, none. I'm I'm quite happy with with the the fleshing out of the the saggy fleshing out of this character um so yeah, far. Yeah. So yeah, no, nothing nothing from me. That's the sun. Yeah. So. All right. Well, in that case, Chris, you're ready to play. All right. That doesn't sound like it's. You've made that sound like it's happening very soon, like in the <laughs> next several seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, may, I mean, depending on how people are listening to this, maybe they've got an episode queued up straight after this one, and it will seem like that to them. I want them to know that for me, there was a massive void in, in both time and my heart before I play Ed Kincaid. Well, something to look forward to anyway. In these trying times. They're unprecedented, Matt, don't you know? <laughs> I, I, so I keep hearing. Ellen Gould as Jess Butterworth, Chris McLennan as Ed Kincaid, Helen Stratton as Melody, and Chris Buxey as Calisteria Softbinding. Sound design for this production is by Natalie Winter, and the theme music is by Alexander Pankhurst. I'm Matt Boothman, and I play the supporting cast, as well as editing and producing the episode. We were playing Monster of the Week, a role-playing game by Michael Sands, published by Evil Hat Productions. You can find Monster of the Week at genericgames.co.nz. Merely Roleplayers is a Foggy Outline production in association with Blackshaw Theatre Company. Until next time, if drama be the food of life, play on. <laughs>